With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to, I wasn't sure when it would come up, there we go. Uh, my name's Sean, I'm joining from uh, Celtic Down Under, joined by Liam Carrigan. Uh, I'm based in Perth, Western Australia, and uh, Liam is in Nagano? Yep. Is that right? Nagano, Nagano Prefecture Nagano, Japan? Japan. Yep. Is it Prefecture, is that the right nomenclature? Yep, that, that's correct. Yep. We are one of the 47 Prefectures, yep. <laughs> a tr- truly worldwide fan base. So for me at the moment, it's 7pm. Uh, I've got a washing out. I'll be bringing it in soon. And uh, Liam, I'm guessing, oh, you're Northern Hemisphere, so it might be a bit wintry up there. Aye, it's cold. <laughs> um, had a wee bit of snow today, and um, you know, and it, it, it is a festive season. So, in the, in the spirit of charity and goodwill, I am wearing this top to give the fact that the comments something else to be angry about other than yesterday's game. So. <laughs> You should have wore your so here we uh, go. The one that got all the, the set fire to the comments before. I remember when you wore a blue, red, and white top onto Axon. Oh, um, God, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're here to um, discuss, well... I think we need to get. I think we need to give something a bit more than uh, a breakdown of yesterday's uh, post mortem, which is still going on and will be going on for a while. And uh, I don't know. We'd, we'd like to broaden the the topics a little bit, just a little bit of variety. Uh, so we're going to uh, pick the small topic of how to fix Scottish football, or how mm. to improve Scottish football, because uh, I don't think it can be fixed. So. Anyone who wants to chime in in the comments as you go, that would be great. Uh, we've just got a little list of topics that we're going to um, run through and see uh, why, well, agree or disagree on whether they will be improvements and how important they are. And uh, look at some of the evidence around it. <clears throat> so, number one on my list, Liam, uh, let's, let's, it's most, the most topical, I think, is to ban plastic pitches. Go. Yep, I 100% agree. Um, I thought plastic pitches were a health hazard when I played on them when I was 14 and and they don't seem to have improved much since then. Um, obviously, t- technology has progressed a wee bit since you know the last 26 years, but um, I still think that at the professional level, if we aspire to be a proper professional level league, um, we shouldn't have those pitches. 
it's just it's not you know it's all right for training it's not effective for proper football i mean the fact that going into that game a couple of weeks ago and it's not an excuse but the idea that we had to even consider not playing um carter vickers simply because of the nature of the pitch you know that 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 should not be a consideration in a professional league full stop yeah, and the other fact as well is that they're called all-weather pitches, but they get games called off more than the grass pitches in the top flight. Uh, now, I would assume that's mostly down to the fact that you can't really have undersoil heating because the plastic will melt, uh, whereas all our top flight teams have got the grass undersoil heating, so the games are much more likely to go ahead. Um, and it does my head in. Like that, that last round of fixtures there with the snow, the only top flight game that was called off was Livingston's home game. But I think you're right, the most the most pertinent point has got to be the, the level of football, the quality. And this is something that we're going to probably come back to a few times in this hour. And I don't know if you heard Derek Adams' interview yesterday. Yes, I did. Yeah, uh, he he gave Scottish football both battles. Like he was mm. he was angry that his team had lost in the ninety seventh minute, but he gave the whole of Scottish football two battles, saying that it was his League Two team in was in Northampton, I think. I said England. that was a more professional setup than what we've got up here. Yeah, and you know, is he right? I don't know. Like we were just after a week of having three Scottish teams win in Europe uh, for the first time in however long. Is, is Derek Adams right there? I mean, the the thing is that each of the the points he rattled off, there's definitely rooms for improvement there. But um, like you say, we've just won. We've just had three teams win in Europe during the week, albeit two of them were not particularly meaningful games in terms of progression. Obviously, there's 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 coefficient points and there's money at, at stake so they are meaningful in that sense but it's yeah I mean the lack of professionalism in Scottish football in general in terms of administration refereeing uh, pitches the fan experience I it, I wouldn't be surprised I mean I, I don't have a great a great degree of experience of League Two in England but I would imagine it's probably ahead of what we've got here at the moment I don't even know if they've got a single plastic pitch. I think they banned them, didn't they, from the EFL? I think I'm pretty sure, yeah. So yeah. I think the top four flights in England have got it banned. Uh Netherlands are banning it. We were having a vote to ban it, potentially ban it soon. So that's we could be on the, the positive side of that very soon. And it's more than I I would expect from uh the absolute regressive uh oh, what's the word? Luddites, maybe? Not probably not Luddites. Luddites had a bit going for them. Um <laughs> the, reg- the regressive uh, nincompoops that runs Scottish football. I don't know. I don't want to say yeah. anything too sweary. Be- be- being a Luddite requires effort and commitment to the cause, and I don't think the SFA have got that. So. Exactly. <laughs> Luddites have sound principles and uh, beliefs uh, and passion. None of that uh, comes from the governance of Scottish football. Um, no. the-, <clears throat> the other thing about those, and you you played in goals, Liam, so you, you can have a different perspective for this. Uh, for, but when I when I was in my 20s, I was like, this is amazing. Plastic pitches are great. I don't know why people are complaining. And that was because I grew up, you're probably the same, uh, mm-hmm. playing on these red ash pitches in Scotland. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, it was horrendous. And, like, after the game, if you'd done a slide tackle, you had, like, the tweezers and the, oh, I can't remember the name of it now, the, the iodine stuff that you put in the wounds. And you're sitting there mm-hmm. picking stones and gravel at your wounds and putting... Uh, whatever antiseptic onto your wounds so for me when we got those uh, synthetic surfaces it was like this is amazing, this is so much better uh, and then uh, when I turned 30 <laughs> it's like 
wake up the next day, oh, congratulations, you're turned 30, here's your bad back and your sore knees. Uh, and every time I play in a plastic pitch after that, I'm like, I can't I can't walk for two days and I have to like lie flat on my back in bed and stuff like that. So like, I know they can talk about... Um, they talk about like, oh, it doesn't cause injuries in professional footballers or whatever. I don't know what the latest mm. research on that is. But uh, for me, I just feel pain throughout my body uh, after I play on them that I wouldn't feel on grass. And as a goalkeeper, you may have a different view on that as well. Is, is it worse to dive on? What's it like? It's, yeah, I mean, the, you know, you talk about the, the gravel rash knees that you get from playing on a red ash pitch. Um, yeah. Apply that to elbows, arms, <laughs> basically mm. your whole upper body if you're diving on, on a plastic pitch. Um, I used to play. I used to play at Broadwood. Uh, I don't know if Clyde still play there, but I, th- I think they did. They did for a long time, um, and that was, you know, that was one of the better pitches back in the nineties. But it was still a, a, an artificial surface, and it was, I, it was nasty to dive on. Like if you, if you were lucky, all you got was a mouthful of sand when you dived because there was all this sort of mm-hmm. weird plastic <laughs> sand they put on top of the pitch, which made it slippery as hell. Um, yeah, it's just not a good surface to play on at all. And like I say, from watching the likes of Kilmarnock and Livingston, I don't think it's it's obviously progressed since then, but not to a, a massive extent, I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe Kilmarnock can just roll theirs up and stick it in their new training ground, I hope so. But <laughs> when you see stuff like Motherwell used to get a fine like two years in a row, three years in a row, they got fined for the state of their pitch, the grass, and then they fixed it. And they've been one of the best in the top flight since. Uh, you know, Queen's Park had a plastic pitch at Lesser Hamden, and now they've got the Scottish national team asking to use it and sending Queen's Park into Big Hamden so that the Scottish national team can train at Lesser Hamden. Like, mm. it, there's so much to be said for the quality of a good pitch. And, like, just it improves the quality of the product and that if we want to make Scottish football better not to make Derek Adams happy but to make paying customers happy therefore pay more uh, then we could that would be a good starting point point. Uh, and then we've got a couple other things on our list unless there's anything you want to add about pitches No I think we're both agreed that they need to be ripped up and burned so let's just yeah. move on so I was going to uh, go on to something else, but uh, the first comment that came in that uh, suggested a topic was from at Celtic follower in the comments there. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, mentioned refereeing. So he said, make referees be accountable in post-match interviews with regards to controversial decisions. So one of the topics we had on our list was full-time uh, referees. So do you want to give us a, a view on that, Liam? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that in any line of work, if you're going to pay a higher salary, i.e. make it a full-time job, you have greater accountability. I mean, you know, totally different job, but but similar perspective. I've worked as an English teacher for, you know, 15 years now. And for the last six years, I've been a contracted employee of the city government, as opposed to just being put into a school through an agency, which is how it was before. So I am effectively now full-time as opposed to being part-time before. But that comes with the fact that I answer directly to the city government. You know, if there's a problem, the Board of Education will phone me up and tell me there's a problem. Um, I have annual meetings with them to, to you know, discuss any issues that might have come up at school. And I think that re- that's more accountability than the average referee has in Scotland. Um, I, yeah, it's with greater professionalism comes greater accountability. So if you're going to pay them more money, I, by all means, do that. But in any line of work, 
whether it's a teacher, a referee or whatever, if you're going to get paid more, you're going to come under more scrutiny and you need to have the character to be prepared for that. And I think the problem is that too many referees in Scotland think they can just do what they want and then there is no comeback um, because, oh, the ref's decision's final. So, aye, fine. But how you came to that decision is certainly up for scrutiny and it needs to be, you know, where possible made public um, because the lack of transparency is the mm -hmm. biggest problem. And I think the pushback you're having from referees to this is not because of any desire to, you know, get get better as referees. It's because they know that if it is made public why they come to decisions, then it will be set in stone that they do favour particular teams over others. Um, which again, if you took the English approach and just had them declare what team they support, uh, you know, that would to some degree negate that problem. Although I think what you're gonna do with like fifty five referees that claim to support Partick Thistle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Or, yeah, I was trying to think. Green at Morton, right? Something like that. Uh, uh, classic, the classic ones. Um, yeah, and also, like, full-time is obviously going to improve the standards. Um, the, the difficult bit of what you're mentioning there is, as you, as you said, everyone's just going to say party thistle, right? But more to the point, like, it's, it feels like within Scottish culture, even if you're a Hearts fan, right, you're going to, if it comes down to a Celtic Rangers thing, you're going to have a leaning right in that sense as a mm -hmm. bias, even if it's not a team you support. So it's almost like we have to say, like, let's get into a a pool of referees from other countries, maybe. Because like how long it's been for I think the last 20 years, maybe, maybe even longer. We've been sending Scottish referees of occasionally, or certainly Turkish and Greek der uh, derby games have been pulling in referees from foreign countries to do the big games to get to remove this accusation of bias. Do you think that's something we should be doing? You know? I mean, certainly for games between Celtic and the, the current incarnation of Rangers, yeah, absolutely. Um mm. I think that like you say, if you if you've got a you know, a French, a Greek, Italian, whatever referee in that game, he's not gonna face the same inherent bias issue that like you say everybody because everybody in Scotland has a preference even if they're not a Celtic or Rangers supporter, they have a preference. Mm -hmm. And that will naturally play into how they referee a game. It's, sometimes it's not even conscious, it's subconscious. Of course. Um, and, you know, it's not fair to put referees in that position apart from anything else. Yeah, if you say they're not biased, you're saying they're not human. All humans are biased, right? Yep, exactly. Like, <clears throat> and some people are better at overcoming that bias, but it doesn't matter, we're all biased, we all have it. And... Um, yeah, and I think, but I think the full time thing can't be understated as well, right? Because, you know, and obviously this the conversation started with being able to explain themselves and be accountable and communicate these things, and that would also help to remove accusation, not remove, reduce to mitigate accusations of bias, right? Because we're looking at it and we go, "What the hell are they thinking there?" And we're going straight to, "Okay, his uh, brother played for Sevco." Or he mm. is employed by the same school where Sevco send their youth players, uh, that sort of yeah. thing, right? Which is two things that are true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or he had a season ticket for blah blah blah. Uh, but if we if they come out and go, well, I saw that as. Uh, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, careless contact, not reckless. Or something, you know, like if they're actually putting words to it and explaining the decision, then we can actually judge them on their competency <laughs> and not actually, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't care, right? You're going to make a mistake, right? I'd rather they came out and, and told us what they were thinking and then if they're wrong, they're wrong. Fine. Well, and if you're full time, you can actually learn from those mistakes in a, a, a better environment. You can get feedback. You can talk to each other. You can study the rules. English referees are full time and they make mistakes, but like they are much higher standard than us, right? The referees in England. Well, I mean, there was a game, I think it involved Newcastle a few weeks ago where a referee gave a dodgy penalty or something. And he actually called up Eddie Howe a few days later and explained it and apologized because he thinks actually on reflection, I got that wrong. Mm-hmm. And I thought that speaks a lot for that referee because it's okay to make mistakes, but own mm-hmm. them, you know? Yeah. And I thought at the same time, I thought that would never, ever happen in Scotland. And that is, that's a, a massive indictment on, on the state of our current referees that you, a simple thing like phoning up a manager and explaining a decision and saying, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, it's completely beyond people here. And remember the, the doogie, doogie Doogie thing? I don't remember that linesman's name, sorry. But after he came out and broke ranks, he was he was blackballed. He was never heard of again. Like so yeah. that's that's the kind of precedent you get. And then you also get um things like whenever you give controversial decisions against one particular team, you're removed from their games uh indefinitely until you get with the script, which is nah, none of that stuff, lad. Uh, so anyway, but I, I don't really want to be getting down the bias rabbit hole. It was more how we can improve Scottish football rather than uh, these guys are biased against us. But full-time referees would be one way along that. And, and as it was mentioned in the comments, having more of a feedback loop that includes referees would be greater as well because it, it could educate us as well. You know, we sometimes we look at it and wonder uh, why they've called it that way. And sometimes we find out two days later they were right. So it would be great if we were in that loop too. Uh, yep. Anything else about referees for roll up the next thing on the list? No, I would just add that, you know, referee, like you said, referees are people. And I don't want to be too harsh on them as human beings because, like you say, there's a lot of the stuff is beyond their control. But we need to, if we're going to make them professional, we need to give them the tools to do the job better. And that's mm-hmm. better support, better opportunities to explain themselves. And, um, you know, we'll, it's a separate issue, but we'll come on to it. We need better quality VAR as well. So yeah, yeah, that was even yeah. on the list. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything you you wanted to talk about in the last in particular, Liam, or do you want me to tee something up? Oh, just 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 fire away. I think it's better. You you bat you you pitch them and I'll bat them. <laughs> just in case there was something you wanted to get on a soapbox about. So I've got, like I said, the next. I've got a few, and mm-hmm. some of them I'm actually not even sold on myself. But one that uh, I want to uh, push for myself personally, and I'll. I'll Maybe you'll have a dissenting view, and hopefully some people in the comments will, uh, is more top flight teams. And it actually links into some uh, other points I've got. So um, I'll just start with a little <clears throat> piece of information here. I checked it out, and 
Scotland are currently uh, ranked 10th in the UEFA coefficients, which is great. It's heady heights for us, right? We were yeah. down in the 20s until uh, Sevco pulled us up in the, the rankings with that run to the Europa League final. So um, being in 10th is great. Uh, very, very impressive. But what's noticeable about our position is that the nine countries above, above us all have between 18 and 20 uh, teams in their top flight. So if we want to, and we're doing great right now, we're actually above our expect, uh, what we'd be expected to be. But there's a statistical case there that if we want to be going above the team in ninth place, who are Turkey, or the team in eighth place, who are Belgium, and that's, I don't think anyone would argue that's we, that's the markets we want to be improving to the level of, um, maybe not Turkey, but certainly Belgium, Portugal, Netherlands, they're all ahead of us. And they've all got 18, 19 teams in top flight. Front and then the top five is a whole other thing, but that's the mm. your what's around you. Just below us, Czech Republic, sixteen teams, uh, and then Switzerland have only got ten, which is curious. Austria and Denmark in twelve, but what is what does stand out is that nobody above us has fewer than eighteen teams. So, am I seeing what I want to see, Liam, or is there is there a point to that there that that's, there's something happening here? No, I, I agree with you, and I've been saying it for years. Um, we need more teams in the top flight. Just, apart from anything else, the, the, the product gets boring. Um, I know that Sky and whatever want their, their four games between Celtic and Sevco every season um, to try and maintain that old firm myth. But it's, you know, I, I don't, with the greatest respect to those teams, I don't want to watch us play Comarnock four times a year. I don't want to watch us play Motherwell four times a year. Dundee, Aberdeen, you know, these teams can put on a good show in their own right on, on occasion, but four times a season, it's just, it's it's, it's repetitive and it's boring. Um, so, yeah, a 20-team league, I, I like, I mean, what, there's a lot of problems with the English Premier League, but one of the things I do like is the idea of a 20-team top flight, play each other twice, keep it simple. That's, that's the way I like it. And, you know, see if you want to have these Celtic and Rangers games, elevate the Glasgow Cup back to the status it used to have. There's another one, right? Chances are we're going to play each other in one of the cups. You know, you, you will probably still get your four games a season if that's your if that's your commercial demand. And if not, we can always play them in a friendly. <laughs> yeah, and look, there's also the, the argument, right, that so if you look at the, the run that Samirin and, and Motherwell went on at the start of the season, where they were sitting in third and fourth place, and uh, I wasn't on with you at the time, but I made the point with the guys that were on my weekend review. They've not played Celtic or Sevco yet. Mm-hmm. And then look, they're sure enough, right? Uh, so say seven or eight games, whatever it was, and they're both sitting third and fourth in the league. They've not played either half of uh, the two biggest uh, Glasgow teams. And then they play them, and then they're back to the middle of the pack again. They regress to the mean. So... There's also the case that if you're playing uh, Celtic or any example of a Rangers team um, more fewer times, then there's a an argument to say an Aberdeen or Hearts could quite conceivably put a run together with having fewer of those games where they would stay closer to the top uh, of the league and create and therefore mathematically create a challenge to the top of the league. Aye, because like you say, you know, overcoming a six-point deficit is a hell of a lot easier than overcoming a 12-point deficit. You know, if you mm-hmm. just assume that you're going to lose uh, the two games against against Celtic and the two games against Rangers, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly in Glasgow, right? So if you only have to come I, to Celtic Park once a season, right? And even then, like, say that, that one game is the one Hearts had yesterday. Like, statistically, what a, what a position that puts them in, right? To challenge. They're not going to have to play, play Celtic Park again this year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else to that, though? Do you think there's something to do with the number of games? So if you look at, for example, um, Germany, 18, mm. Netherlands, Portugal, Belgium, all 18, and they all play 34 uh, league games. So like mm. when uh, Ian Beale, the, the ex-Sevco manager, uh, was playing PSV, he had a bit of a moan about PSV getting time off and getting fixtures moved. Well, PSV like went to won everything before them in the Netherlands last year and they played 41 games or something in total. So mm-hmm. 34 league games plus whatever cup, yeah? And then yeah. for Sevco to do the same would cost them like 50, some 51 or 52 games. I can't remember the number. Uh, so to do the same domestic dominance in Scotland would require an extra 10 games. And then, so is there something to quality over quantity as well? If you've got fewer games? Yeah, and you know, there's also the fact that fans as well. You know, if if there's less games, then you would like to think that season tickets would be a wee bit more reasonably priced. Um, <laughs> you would also, you know, the the casual fan who goes to games on a game by game basis. I realise with Celtic, that's not many people these days because of waiting lists for the season ticket and whatever. But still, if if you have, you know, I mean, Celtic are actively promoting the fact that we've got like seven games in a month. That, you know, this month. And to me, that's not something you should shout about. That's a sign of bad scheduling that we've got this cram of fixtures right before Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we really need to do better with that. And I do think that basically merging the top two divisions would be a good start for that. Because again, with the greatest respect to these particular teams, the championship every season is quite a competitive uh quite a competitive league in terms of who's going to get promoted. So that tells me there isn't that much difference between a Dundee or a Kilmarnock than there is between a, a Cali Thistle, a Partick Thistle or a, you know, uh Rafe Rovers or something like that. They would all add something to the top flight if they were there, I think. It's pretty rare for a team to go straight back down. I, none really come to mind for me. Uh, obviously, there was the Gretna thing, but um, honestly, it's pretty rare, I'd say. Um, they usually do come up and bounce onto the middle kind of level of the table and then they make it found out a year later when the, the best players get picked off and stuff like that or roll out of contract. But you're right, this the in, as that's the point being is that the the argument against it is there's not enough quality, right? There's not enough quality teams. But it's so condescending, I think, to say stuff like that, right? The 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 English Premier League, the self <coughs> self proclaimed uh, best league in the world, has Luton Town in the top flight. Luton Town, one of the entrances is like, you have to go through someone's house to get into the stadium. Like, you literally need to go through, someone's bedroom is above the turnstile. Oh, uh, God. Their stadium has the same capacity as Greenock Morton or Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. So are we saying that Greenock Morton and Dunfermline aren't good enough for the top flight in Scotland, but Luton Town are good enough for the top flight in England? Yeah, I mean, I've said I've said it for years. England is the best marketed league in the world. That's yep. all it is. That's yep. all it is. It's it's superb marketing for what is outside of the top five or six teams a pretty mediocre product. Mm-hmm. And you're 
that's one of the points in the list. So let's just use that segue naturally. Marketing, mm. go for it, Liam. You, this is, I mean, you're oh, uh, right. for people that don't know you were uh, have a storied career before you were a teacher in the Scottish media, uh, football mm. or sports media. So uh, you tee us uh, up here, Liam. I expect uh, a tour right. of the force of your expertise here. Well, basically, I think that um, there's two aspects to this. One, the big difference between Celtic and pretty much every team in the J-League in terms of marketing is that teams in the J-League treat you as a customer first and foremost and secondary as a fan. So the first the most important thing always is customer satisfaction. Whereas with Celtic, it seems to be, well, you're a Celtic fan, so I know you're going to pay for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the the rank amateur production values of Celtic TV. Um, you look at the fact that it is, you know, we have four, uh, sorry, four or five Japanese players on our books now, and yet I still struggle to find any Celtic merchandise over here at all. Um, unless you go on Amazon or Rakuten and pay stupid prices, um, you know. You can buy us. You can you can now finally buy Celtic home tops uh, from the Adidas website in Japan, but that was only from last year. And you know we're in the fourth year of our deal with Adidas now, um, so that's not good enough. Uh, that you know that could be as much a problem with Adidas as, as with Celtic. But you know at the same time, I look at the Celtic store website and yeah, they've got a Japanese language version, but it's just Google Translate. I mean mm-hmm. the. I could be really, really anal about it and sit and pick out all the grammatical errors on the Celtic website in Japanese, but I'm not going to do that. But it's clearly machine translation. There is no, I mean, you've got 125 million people of a potential market and you're not even going to hire one native Japanese speaker to oversee that. You You don't even have to, so let's say stuff like, and I'll, I always usually look to America, right, for any ideas in marketing. And if you look at what the NFL does, so like when the teams go over to London and stuff like that, right? And I know we do that, we, mm. we go on our tours, right? But Aye. what they do over and above that, and we went to death on this in our podcast about Celtic specifically, about how they wasted the opportunity. Uh, and so Miami Dolphins go to London. What do they do? They hire a venue that holds like 500 to 1,000, I can remember the actual number. Uh, they get an ex-player in. They set up the merchandise stall. They have this massive fan event to to, to centre around. So to go and play a game in Japan, right? Hire Shinsuke Nakamura, right? Get him down to whatever... Uh, you don't even have to do a bar. You could have like an open area with like a big screen on showing the game, right? So that even for people that aren't going. It could be there for before the game, after the game, whatever. Uh, why don't we have global ambassadors? Paul McStay lives in Australia. Pay him a few thousand a year. Go to CSE. Like each CSE once or twice a year. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Dixie Deans comes to our CSE anyway just to watch the games. Might as well get them there <laughs> promoting stuff and selling, you know, send in a few hundred Celtic tops for myself. Right? I don't it doesn't it seems obvious to me, right? Uh, but that's I, just Celtic. Like, you know, what how does Scottish yeah. football improve its marketing overall as well? What 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 is Scottish football's marketing? What do we have? Do we have marketing? I mean we we don't and that's the thing, you look at clubs like you know, clubs like Copenhagen, for example, come from the Danish league, which monetarily is on a similar level to Scotland, but better TV deal, uh, better distribution of the funds. And as a result, Copenhagen and, you know, other teams like Bronby, whatever, can still from time to time get a result in Europe. 
<laughs> and it's because the the whole thing is better managed. I mean, the, 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 the pittance we get for our TV deal, we talked about Luton, right? Now, let's just assume for a minute that they finish bottom of the English Premier League. They, they might not, but let's assume that they do. They're still going to bank something like 35 times more than the team that wins the league in Scotland. Yeah, that, and it's that over, is over just, years as yeah. well. I mean, there's a the thing, year. right? This is a slight tangent, but bear with me here. We talk mm-hmm. about that TV deal, right? The one that they signed in England a few weeks ago. Was it $6 billion over the next five years or something like that? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to get slightly little here. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. UK. And we were made numerous promises that we would have financial and economic parity with, with the rest of the UK. We were better together. As If that's the case, give us 8% of that money. Because mm-hmm. Scotland makes 8% of the UK population. So that would be a fair a fair distribution. England would not miss eight percent of six point eight billion, but in Scotland that would be absolutely revolutionary. It would completely change our game, assuming it was managed properly. Well, that that's more money than comes into Scotland every year at the moment. Uh, the Scottish football game. Aye, a, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, because like you'd, you'd yeah. be about two hundred million close to with Celtic and Sevco, and then maybe everyone else combined is about one hundred and fifty if you're lucky. Maybe, maybe I'd be surprised if it's even that. Yeah. Probably closer to 100. <clears throat> so probably 300 in total, just for Scotland. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a leading question right. here. Okay. If you're not going to watch a, okay. so you you watch a Celtic game, right? Because Celtic, mm-hmm. and that's you know in our DNA, and we're if nothing else, like for all the reasons we all support Celtic, right? And you might watch a Celtic game when Celtic aren't playing. Because mm-hmm. why? Well, in the hope that they drop points, <laughs> have a good laugh at them. Um, but no, yep. it, it's 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 natural. I mean, this is not just a Celtic Rangers thing. This is like you know, Man City fans. What, so, if they win sorry, on the Saturday, a, they'll third... watch Man United on the Sunday. You know. Yeah, I had a because third question they... as well. Sorry. Hi. Sorry. So, so because there are nearest challengers, yes, you, it's it's mm-hmm. a boost to us if they drop points. If you watch it, if you're going to watch a game that doesn't involve Celtic or Sevco, what would it be? Um. I mean, in Scotland. Sorry. Uh, in Scotland, uh, you know, I would actually game. just, I would, I would say that you know, Aberdeen are good to watch at times. Hibs are trying to play a system at the moment that's good to watch. Uh, you know, ignoring football, just just based on narrative. Who would who, what what games would you tune into? Yeah, probably Hibs because they're so basically what, the Edinburgh Celtic. But that's but that's just that that's that more. More of a social political thing than anything else. It's not really about the football. So, so strange. Love the doctor said in the comments. The one, the one game that I would normally go out my way to try and watch. That's not. It doesn't involve Celtic or Sevco. Is Hearts Hibs? Okay. It's like three, the, two of the biggest teams outside Glasgow. It's a derby. Okay. Mm. So if you look at American football, right, and you and again, I shouldn't keep going to this, oh. but I do watch it a lot. What they do is they manufacture 
rivalries, they manufacture derbies. Yeah, like some reason, like uh, like the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, hundreds of miles apart, is like a massive rivalry, right? Your uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. Same state, yeah, fair enough. But like, yeah, and then you've got like Steelers, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Pfft, we're near yeah. each other, right? Like, and yeah. there's all these manufactured rivalries. Creating this narrative rivalries is what actually is kind of way you can get fans in, other than supporting the team that they support, right? So like, you need to try and and if we could, have, if we had this bigger top flight, we're talking about you'd watch a Hearts Hibs game, right? And if that was marketed well, you would watch a Hearts Hibs game because that's the problem, right? People only tune in to watch. Games that affect Celtic and Sevco, but hmm. if you market this right, you could actually have people want to watch a Hearts Hibs because Hearts Hibs game on a Friday night. You could have someone want to watch a Kilmarnock against Air United game if you're United in the top flight and going well. Uh, hmm. Dundee, Dundee United. Like, I'm actually interested in watching a Dundee, Dundee United game because I know there's not 100%, but I know there's hmm. a really good chance I'm going to get an intense, uh, enthralling game of football. Like it's never hundred percent, right? Some of these games are absolute crap. But like yeah. there's always a really good chance. There's always passion. The people care. They're gonna the players are gonna be given their most and they're gonna be phoning it in. We sh- if we want to market our game and try and create a product that we can sell to improve Scottish football, we should be really geeing up maybe not manufacturing so much straight away, but maybe over time, focusing on these rivalries. Even like St. Johnson Dundee is a rivalry somehow. I don't know how it works, but that's what they say. Uh, yeah, Cali Thistle, Ross County. If yeah. you want to market your game, you should be focusing on these things. But we just focus the Scottish football all around Celtic and Sevco, and it's actually fairly, fairly, I think, detrimental to the overall product. Which, and again, if you take another step, is therefore detrimental to what uh, Celtic can do uh, with the domestic market. I mean, again, that is something that in in the Japanese market, I see England, Spain. Germany and Italy doing much better than Scotland is the idea of, you know, you might not necessarily watch these games, but I have an awareness of, you know, various teams in Italy when they play each other, there's a rivalry there because the the media here talk about it. You know, it's like, why why should I watch Napoli against Verona tonight? Well, here's why these two teams don't like each other, just, you know, example. Um, you know, what why why would uh why should uh, why is Atletico Madrid compelling uh, uh, as well as Real Madrid, it's like, well, here's where they differ from Real mm-hmm. Madrid. You know, it's explained. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, despite growing up in Scotland and watching Scottish football my entire life, I, <laughs> I know very little about the actual sort of fan culture of a lot of teams in the Scottish Premier League because it's never talked about. Like you say, it's always Celtic v Rangers or. Whoever's away from home this weekend is usually the game that's on the telly. It's Celtic or Rangers plus one. It's never, mm-hmm. it's never Aberdeen against Dundee United, or it's never. You know, I mean, Hibs v Hearts sometimes gets the coverage, but that's about it. Um, yeah, it's just that, like you say, we are too focused on two teams, and then everybody complains about, oh, it's all just about you know the the the, the their words not mine, the old firm, and you say, well, uh, it's. That that's a that's a, a consequence of the way the entire game is marketed up here, and it that's needs right. to change. That's the cash cow that they're milking, so you might as well suck from that tea because that's what you're milking. Like in the <laughs> in right. Australia, we have the the far derby. Do you know what this one is? No. 
So oh, Perth Glory, Perth Glory. So they've got the ten team or twelve team, whatever it is a league top flight. Uh, they expanded it. So Perth Glory, which is where I am, and Western Australia have a derby against Wellington Phoenix in New Zealand, and it's called oh, the, 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 the Far Derby because it's the two furthest. It's the, they tried to manufacture uh, market it as the mm. furthest derby in the world uh, between two teams. Aye, I, well, I mean it's, it's literally a continent apart. So I, yeah. I, yeah, it's like a seven or eight hour flight, and like, there's no other, there's no other Western Australian football team, and there's no other New Zealand team in the top flight. So it's like, yep, this mm. is it. This is the derby you're going to have. The two the Adelaide teams can have their derby, and the Melbourne teams can have theirs. But uh, you mm. guys, you can just yeah, you can just be friends as well. The, the other thing that I don't think that's something that needs not needs to, but something that could happen uh, with Scottish football is we should, and you might disagree with me, and we should try and find a personality for Scottish football which is different from English football because we're not going to we're not going to come up. We can't go, you know, like it's like try to race a Ferrari with like a Fiat, right? What's the point? What's the point, right? Like, uh, how would a Fiat be a Ferrari in a race or even challenge it? You know, take it in a car park and race it in a city, right, where there's red lights, uh-huh. then it's going to be fine, right? But I've overstretched that analogy. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, point I was trying to make is if we get this a personality of what makes Scottish football great, then we could, uh, what people like about Scottish football out with supporting their own team, you can market that as well. One of my favourite things to do outside watching Celtic, and this is what I'm kind of focusing on for how to make Scottish football better. I don't know if you follow Old Firm Facts, the Adam Miller chap on Twitter. The stuff that I posts. I don't really use Twitter anymore, but I do sometimes get his tweets sent out through other channels. So yeah, I, I'm aware of him. Cool. Yeah, yeah, he's like a magnet for all the the funniest things in Scottish football, like their reverent stuff. But and that's what I think we should be focusing on for trying to promote Scottish football is their their irreverence of it, like the we don't take ourselves too seriously, even though we care deeply and we are passionate, but we're not taking ourselves as seriously as places like England and Spain and places like that, you know? Um, stuff like the guy that, I don't even know what team he's the assistant manager of, and he's got like the two pairs of glasses. Stuff like Dick Campbell getting hit in the head with a ball that falls off the stand. Whatever team it was, they gave it a free Bentos pie as their Man of the Match award last year. Like, all that sort of stuff, right? I would hire Adam Miller as the marketing uh, lead for all online social media promotion of Scotland's and Scottish football because we could honestly fill quite a niche in that market. There's not many, uh, not many professional football leagues uh, aim to fill that niche of uh, being neutrally entertaining. In that sense, they're all focused on trying to get a product on the pitch. What say you? Am I wrong? No, I, I, I think you've, you've. That's right. We need to identify our what they call I, what is it ISP, individual selling point or something mm-hmm. like that. USP is our unique selling point. Um, so that's you know that could be it. It could be that we are the league that, that don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, you know that's one way to come at it. The, the other thing, which is just maybe a bit more simple, is um, like the J League again. Is again using an example that I'm I'm knowledgeable about. Um, I log into jleague.com, the, the J League website, and there you are. It gives you all the teams that are currently in the top two divisions, and you can click on their badge, and it gives you rundown of the club's history. Now, granted, in Japan, that's only 30 years because we've only had the J League since 1993. Um, you get the club history. You get uh, player profiles. You get results. And you also, most importantly, get a link to the J League shop where all the team's merchandise is sold um, in the same place. So if you want to buy 
you know, an FC Tokyo scarf, or do you want to buy an Urawa Red shirt, or do you want to buy a Gambo Osaka Tammy, whatever, you know, you go <laughs> to the same site to buy it all. And I think that's a very simple step that Scottish football could take to target an international audience. So, ah, you know about Celtic and Rangers. You want to buy a St. Johnson mug? <laughs> Do you want to, yeah. you want to get a, you know, you want to get a, a scarf for Inverness Cali or whatever? You know, get it here. We don't have point. that. Yeah. And do you know what I really like that Scottish football teams do independently of any group think is the these weird away kits that they have? And I, I'm sure you've yeah. got a few of you, your strip collector. Oh, I, I love that Queen's Park Iron Brew away kit where they had the green, yellow, and red dots for every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like for a green for a win and a red and a, for a loss. And they the dot for every game they'd ever played. And um what was the one that what was the one that uh, somebody did the Greg's one recently? I can't even remember. But there's some there's some great ones, right? Like, so mm. you're right, that'd be great as well. Like, how many have you got those random away kits from Scotland? Well, two two that spring to mind. I got the I got the Glasgow Wellington shirt from a couple of years ago, which their badge is the Duke of Wellington statue with a cone on it, awesome. and the the shirt is it's got like that kind of like woven pattern, and it's actually a map of Glasgow. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's great, um, you know. And another one that I got was uh, there was an Inverness Cali shirt from two or three years ago that was a very sort of pinkish violet color. And if I remember right, it was to raise money for like cancer awareness or something. So I thought, ah, that's a good cause. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like I like the shirt because it was loud and colorful, but also it's like yeah, you're also helping a good cause. So I think that's another area where where clubs can definitely help out is if you say look buy this shirt and 10% of it is going to go to this charity or whatever that is another mm-hmm. to someone like me who you know doesn't really have any <laughs> connection to Inverness Cali I'm just like you know that's a nice looking top and it's helping a good cause so I'll I'll buy into that and I think that's something Celtic should be doing more of as well because that uh, all the stuff we do like the 10,000 donations to here and there like it, it's becoming more meaningless not more meaningless but more diluted right as inflation changes as our income increases we should be as a club doing a percentage right we shouldn't mm. be like it's, it's this ad hoc stuff is it's good right it's not it's not zero right but like we could be doing more should be doing more i think because that's part of our dna part of our personality and then i think scottish football could do more as well uh cell 88 in the comments saying until the standard of football gets better uh promotion won't do anything now that's a kind of chicken and egg argument for me and and it kind of pushes to all the things we've been talking about, right? Is why are we like why could Martin O'Neill sign John Hartson and Chris Sutton and compete in Europe, right? We can't do that anymore. And the reason is that uh, the English monstrosity, the Frankenstein League down in England, right? We, we can't compete with that, right? And and we can't even we can't even get a t- because of that one that's right next door. We can't even get a TV deal that rivals uh, like Netherlands or Belgium or you know, or I think. Denmark's got a better. T- I can't remember, like, but there's a whole list of countries with better TV deals than us, right? So hear me out. SPFL TV. So if we get all that stuff right, the promotion, the marketing, all that stuff, SPFL TV. If I could get, so like, how much the how much did we pay for Saudi TV? It's like twenty two pounds a month, someone. I can't even remember now. It's something insane. I pay so much for Saudi TV, and the product is terrible, right? I would. Mm so be so happy to pay that same amount to like and that that's a lot of money right for any it's more than any other subscription sports service that i pay for 
Yeah. And I would be so happy to pay that same amount to get a full SPFL package that showed all the Scottish football games as I want to see them, that had, uh, you know, uh, highlight shows, like all that sort of thing. I would so happily give that money to, even more money, I guess, to uh, an SPFL uh, TV. And I'm sure people in Scotland would do as well, right? Because the problem right now is Celtic TV and, and the price that we pay and what we get only exists outside Scotland. But mm. if that's existed within Scotland as well, fair enough, keep your Saturdays to your clocks, right? But like, you know, like, why not? Why Why is this? We could do it, right? Then you could talk about, they will, oh, we'll only get 20,000 subscribers or whatever, right? Well, most, I think Sky get most of their money from advertising, right? So mm. do some advertising, right? It's not even about subscriber numbers. A pub pays, uh, the last time I checked, it was about £2,000 a month that mm. one pub has to pay to broadcast Sky Sports. It may be more than yeah. that. I don't know. Mm. Like, so we can talk about 20,000 subscribers all you want, whatever, right? But there's there's a lot more money to be had than just subscriber numbers. What do you reckon? SPFL TV? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, to to put it in my, my own perspective, I pay, yeah, you said 20, 20 odd quid a month, um, 4,000 yen in, in Japan, in Japanese money, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that won't mean much to anybody outside Japan, but bear with me, there's a point to this. 4,000 yen for, for the Celtic TV, which gets me, if I'm lucky, four Celtic games in a month. Does not include European games. Right. Um, right? Perfect um, qualifiers, but yes. Aye, yeah. Generally speaking, you don't, you, know, you don't get Champions League, you don't get Europa League. Um, and you get very, very minimal... Basically, anything that's outside of a match day goes on Celtic's YouTube channel as well as Celtic TV. So you're, you're basically not getting any extra added value there. Um, but, you know, I think they should be putting stuff out on the YouTube channel. I think that's a good idea to promote the brand um, as amateurishly as it's done. But anyway, the, um, the other thing was, uh, you know, I also have a subscription to... At the moment, I mean, it changes hands every season, but at the moment, the contract holders are SPO TV, which is actually a Korean company. And they do the Spanish League, English Premier League, FA Cup, um, and selected games from Italy, Belgium, and uh, Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting all that for 2,000 yen a month. So I'm getting every English game a lot of Spanish games, a few Italian games, and the odd Saudi game uh, for half the price that I'm paying just for four Celtic games. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, again, as we go back, to, we went to before, we're being treated as fans first and customers second. If you're purely a customer, which is better value? Um, you know, 2,000 yen a month to watch uh, three of the top five leagues in the world or... <laughs> 4,000 yen a month to watch Celtic lose to Hearts, you know? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is the better value proposition? Forgetting the fact that we're Celtic fans and we're going to pay whatever they ask us to because we're stupid that way, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, but I would 100% want to watch... Like, you know, I'm always going to watch all the Celtic game, right? Like, live as well, right? But you'd also like, oh, okay, I've got... T- 15 minutes before I go to bed, will I stick on a Netflix or I could watch highlights of uh, whatever. Oh, that that was a 3-2 Motherwell Dundee game at the weekend. That sounds good. I'll stick that 15-minute highlight package on. You know, not just yeah. the three-minute one without commentary that you are, five-minute one we get without commentary on YouTube at the moment. Don't get me started on that. But like, uh, you know, like a, a, an actual tailored like 15-minute highlight package or something I can enjoy. I, I would like, there's so much you could do there, right? You could get so many subscribers. 
I, I don't understand it. And you can look like, and if you're worried about not producing enough content, what are we doing right now, and how much are we getting paid? Like, uh, and I know like it has to be managed, right? Like, but what are BBC doing right now? They, every Saturday and Sunday now they're getting fans on to do the post match and BBC, yeah. right? And that used to just be exclusively for ex pros. Like, there's a lot of fans out there. Well, even if chucking them just you know like a free subscription or whatever for doing it, like. We're doing it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and you, content. you know, you've got people like us who are equally passionate about, you know, Kilmarnock, Partick Thistle, Dundee, Dundee United, whatever. And they could do it. They could, they could, exactly. you know, they could promote their club the same way we try to promote Celtic, you know. And they it's, do it. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Um Plus, there's also the fact that because Sky keep throwing obscene amounts of money at England whilst giving Scotland the crumbs for the table, um, I think that if an SPL TV venture was launched immediately, you would have a lot of fans saying, well, you know what, great, I don't have to give Sky that money anymore. Hmm. Um, you know, I can just uh, I can just give that money to, to Scotland where it will be used on something I want it to be spent on, you know? Yeah. And do you also hire a, a full-time uh, documentary department, right? Churning out documentaries about uh, Dundee United going to the Cup Winners' Cup. 30-minute documentary. There you go. Boom. Right? Uh, something about um, Celtic run to Seville, for example. Boom. There you go. It's all all good. Uh, now, anyone who's actually watching live now will have noticed that, that Liam's just disappeared. So uh, there's a good chance that you're going to be listening to me for the next 10 minutes. Apologies for that. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll Kind of rely on the comments a little bit. Oh, I'll um, join you. I'll, I'll Paul, join you. <laughs> Paul, how much were you listening to what we were saying about? Uh, I've, I've listened to the whole show. I, I love the the take on how to improve the game because I think, I mean, we, we Kevin and I were talking about just you know Celtic specific stuff that we don't agree with, mm-hmm. things that are going wrong at the moment at the football club, and this inability um, for the club to listen, engage, listen to new ideas say to yourself, maybe I'm not the best at what we're doing. Maybe we can listen to other creative people, bring them in. The documentary idea, how many incredible tales do you have in Scottish football? So many. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm, I shouldn't keep going on about this, man, but I just like, honestly, anytime I just look outside of Scotland, I just see all these ideas, right? I don't know if you ever watched the ESPN 30 for 30 thing that they do. Like, you could easily knock out 30 of them in Scottish football, right? Like, yeah. uh, what yeah. was his name? Uh, the Jim, oh, the Dundee United guy, Jim, Jim McLean. McLean. Yeah. I would love to watch thirty minutes in Jim McLean. Right, that would be awesome. Interviews, uh, absolutely. Match yeah, yeah. Uh, and you also mentioned the quirky side of Scottish football, right? Mm-hmm. The quirky side of Scottish football means that things happen that are actually quite funny, and in, instead of not having that sense of humour, just embrace it mm-hmm. um, and say that, that there's certain elements of your game that are ridiculous. I mean, Cowdenbeath Football Club. I remember going to that stadium, Sean, and -hmm. thinking, you're having a laugh. This is not a football stadium within a league structure. No chance. It's got a race wall. So it's basically, I don't know if it's changed recently, but there was a a company called Brewster Brothers. You Mm -hmm. see their their haulage um, vehicles up and down the, the motorways. And they owned the stadium, but they made more money from stock car racing than they did from the football. So the stock cars were busier on a Saturday night than the football was on a Saturday afternoon. But obviously they had the big white painted tyres all the way around the pitch and all that stuff. That is the essence of Scottish football at the, the kind of lower level. 
So you're saying Clyde should go back to the dog track and uh, split their Listen, <laughs> at least they would have a stadium. You know, this is another yeah. thing, you know, the homeless football club. You, you've hit the nail right in the head with that because um, your man, is it Sam North on YouTube, he picks up on all these wee things. You know, the Cathkin mm-hmm. Park, the, 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 you know, the situation with Cathkin Park, the second Hamden, which when you stand on that terracing, you're standing um, looking onto a football park where the greats have played the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Lisbon Lions played on that park. It's mm-hmm. still there, but all the all the terraces overgrown, and it's now the home of the Jimmy Johnson Academy, who right. are producing footballers. Um, Clyde Football Club, who have produced incredible football talent. Pat Nevin, Stevie Archibald. Listen, that was Billy McNeil's first managerial job at Clyde, and and they don't even have a home. Well, what's the story? Mm-hmm. Let's go and find out what the story is. Sam North does that kind of stuff. Uh, like you say, independent content creators in Scottish football do that kind of thing. Imagine having it with a budget. How great yeah. it would be, you know? There's got to be people out there, and I get there'd be a, a bit of a sunk cost at the start, but like, you need to do that to get people interested in it, right? And it's there's so much untapped potential there. If you, And again, you would need to have an outlay at the start, but there's just it can be done, and there's so much there. You just need to look outside the Scotland. I would even I would go as far as to hire someone from overseas to be doing this sort of thing, right? I mean, you, you couldn't just have them on their own because they're not going to quite get the tone and stuff of Scottish football, right, like that we're talking about. They're not going to understand the hedge. Uh, is it Albion Rovers hedge? I can't remember who it is now. Freaking. Uh, freaking, <laughs> freaking there is. But so, you're right about Dick Campbell. You imagine somebody was following that Arbroath story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've got to give him praise. He's going to be back on the show for the first time in a long time. Colin Watt, um, I, I said to him, I was like, you know, if you were to make a documentary on Scottish football, what would it be about? And he, and he said this, and this was before they almost got promoted. He said, Dick Campbell. I know mm. he's been sacked since then, but it, and I, I thought, wow, imagine being a, a doc, like a flying wall documentary about our growth, the part time team that almost got promoted. Mm. The next one would have been Queen's Park, you know, back to back promotions out of the bottom division, right up to the championship. And then they almost got promoted again. They, they went out and got like the director of football from AZ Alkma. The story is sensational. Who's covering it? Nobody. Yeah. And now he's gone to Ajax in there. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy exactly. to get the director of football approached by Ajax. I don't know how much money they got for that. Like Four million, maybe something like that. Some Because he was on a 10 year contract. So it was something yeah. crazy anyway. I feel play. Yeah, we didn't. We I had this big long list of things to talk about. Plastic pitches, we got to more top flight teams, with fewer games we touched on, full time referees, improved marketing, SPFL TV. The only ones we didn't mention on were the ones that I was uh, going to find a bit harder to be convincing on, which would be summer football and uh, B teams. Um, summer football is a no brainer. Summer football is a no brainer. Uh, the only thing I can chip in completely uh, underprepared, obviously, but. Um, this isn't because I support anyone other than Celtic, but I had a meeting uh, back in 20, oh, was it 2012? Whenever Dunfermline went in, into administration, uh, it got to the point where they were done. They were done. They had no money. They had a guy in Paul Gallagher who was who was sitting on the bench for Hearts yesterday as a goalkeeper coach. Uh, older viewers will remember his dad, Jim, who was the, the Clyde Bank goalie who was bald from the age of 18. He was always bald. He never had hair, but he was a goalie for about 30 years. His son, um, who had some success, he actually got capped for Scotland. He played with Norwich City, uh, Dundee United, I think he was at. But anyway, at this point, he was at Dundee United, uh, Dunfermline rather. And I think that when he was at school, he'd done a course and, and uh, he was going to be a chef or something. Anyway, they all chipped in and the, the pre-match meals were cooked and, and the, the meals all week were cooked by Paul Gallagher. 
and all the mm. players from their own wages chipped in to make sure they could all have meals. That's how ridiculous Scottish football got to, Sean, mm-hmm. when the clubs weren't even feeding the players, they were feeding each other. And that was a club that since 2012, I think they've been out of the, the Premier League. But when you look at the stadium, the traditions of the football club, previous success, I know it, it counts for nothing if you can't get out of that division. That's a football club, along with some of the others you've mentioned, Patrick Thistle, um, etc., who need to be in a bigger league. They need to be yeah. in, a, in a top division. Absolutely. We're shooting ourselves in the foot, right? We've been three, two to three years of hearts and hibs down in the wilderness trying to get out of the championship. You've got Morton, who have, as far as I know, Morton have never been in the Scottish top flight since it became the Premier League. Uh, they would have been in the old first division. Uh, maybe they were in the first year of the Premier Division. I don't remember now. Uh, Dunfermline, when was last time they were up? And they've got the same size. Well, they've got the same size stadium as Luton Town. It is, it's well, Luton Town, it's when you mentioned Luton that I thought to myself, wow, because yeah... The, the thing with that is, when you mentioned that entrance that I've seen, mainly mm-hmm. on Twitter, you think to yourself, embrace it. This is mm-hmm. the, the thing that, that's it's a novel thing. Um, you know, it gives you that wee bit of character. Just embrace that. You know, I would have that on merchandise. The fact mm-hmm. that, you know, um, and, and the quirkiness of Scottish football has to be embraced. The Pars haven't been in the top league since 2012. I'm not saying restructure it just to put teams in, but they've got a fan base. They've got a stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, and these things make the the game better because they are bringing more to the table. I remember being at a game, um, it was in Neil Lennon's first full season in charge uh, after he had that nine-game run at the end of the Mowbray season. And we were playing Motherwell in the cup final. You remember we won the game 3-0, but our last league game was against Motherwell at home. And there was the usual uh, argument about ticket allocation going into the cup final. And I could physically count the Motherwell fans at Celtic Park. Mm. I think there was 47 or something. Mother, There was less than 50 Motherwell fans at the game, yet they wanted to get the, the allocation. And you've got Hamilton, when they were in the top league, the, the travelling support was abysmal. But then you've got clubs who do have the support in place. Um, I, I'll give you I'll give you one, talking about forward-thinking clubs, and I've, I've praised Queen's Park for the way they're doing it. Um, yeah, the manager's not worked out this season and I think the next decision is going to be a big one for them. But Wraith Rovers, Wraith Rovers mm-hmm. have completely restructured the football department and it's working. They look as though they're going to get promoted this season. There's a documentary for you, Wraith Rovers against Bayern Munich. Oh, I know. Can you remember who scored the goal though for, for Wraith Rovers? Wasn't DL, was it? Danny Lennon. Danny Lennon, that's right. Oh, Danny yeah, the Submarine manager, yeah. Yeah. That's right. There's a great picture. It's uh, Bayern Munich nil, Wraith Rovers one, and it's a, it's the scoreboard. Brilliant and picture. It'll never happen again, right? So that's got to be you know if they are celebrating something, that's going to be on their wall forever, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a shame that they had to beat us in the cup final to to get into Europe to yeah. play that game. <laughs> I was the first cup final as uh, as South well the, since it was, it was 98. Uh, 88 and then 94 was the next one so for me I was born in 86 so the first one I remember was Ray Thrower's beating us that day and then the first one I remember winning was Airdrie Pierre Van Hoydonk yeah I saw, I, that, remember that goalkeeper as well what was his name Martin something John Martin, Martin. Yeah. John Martin. yeah I'll tell you how that. I remember him because uh, during the minor strike he went back to his work Did uh, that's how I remember him yes so no one remembered that fondly in my household. Uh, mm. But that's that's another story. That's a political story. <laughs> I'll stay away. I'll stay away. Absolutely. Uh, we're, over, we're over an hour anyway, Paul. So I'm guessing you got got uh, someone else coming up. Uh, We've got the huddle breakdown. 
they guys ah, are going to be uh, crunching some figures and, and uh, talking data. So that will be a good one on the YouTube channel next. Good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we could help support uh, we Jamie and hopefully you guys are doing a good turn for him. And uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. And if anyone wants to listen to me more, I don't know why you would, uh, subscribe to us, shout it down under on YouTube and any other socials. Uh, Liam as well uh, will be on there. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Wait a minute. We're not allowed to mention Dick Campbell. Right, no problem. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to the Celtic Down Under boys. I'm going to jump over and get the Huddle guys on the on the channel. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Tune in to the Huddle Breakdown next on the YouTube channel. Cheers. Network.